0: Welcome to Jersey Shore, I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined as usual by... Pierce, hi guys. I don't know I said bye, weird, Bye. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are here today to talk about one of our favorite television
1: shows. Yeah? The Venture I'm Brothers. So. Pierce, how did you come to know about the Venture Brothers? Is this one of those things where you lead in... No, okay, yeah, this was before you and I were friends. Yeah. Alright, um... This is not a case of... Give me credit for yeah, something Yeah, give, give me the credit. Venture Brothers. I found out about Venture Brothers in high school. I think it was my senior year... There was this teacher, Mr. Kern. He was a math teacher. And he was the nerd teacher. Because, you know, every school has that nerd teacher. that If all you the say ner- so, sure. Okay, well, yeah, true. You, you were homeschooled. You know, schools have that nerd teacher that all the nerds kind of flock to and hang out with. And he taught the AP Calc class. And I wasn't in the AP Calc, I was in regular Calc. But after the AP test, they didn't have class, really. They just kind of watched shows or movies or whatever. So I had free period during that that time slot, so I just sat in the class and watched whatever they were watching. And one time they did episodes of Venture Brothers, and Mr. Kern always joked about how he Wanted a tattoo from in the opening sequence when Brock kicks whatever the symbol is the skull I think mm. and it's just him with his foot outstretched like Mr. Kern always joked that he wanted that tattooed on his chest in Giant. You know, <laughs> um, Mr. Kern's also the guy who introduced me to Mean Girls, so I, I owe him a lot of credit. The movie, me. not Mean Girls in general. Yes, not just horrible women. No, yes. the actual movie Mean Girls. But uh, and that's kind of how I first got introduced to it. Kind of watched, you know, a lot of it online, different places, and uh, I think I kind of fell out of it probably around season three or whatever, but then, you know, as we started hanging out, I think I got caught up, and now it's season, the end of season five, right?
0: Five just wrapped up as we record this Yeah, Well, I mean, it wrapped up a couple yes, Literally
1: later. just for, the, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how about you? I couldn't tell you, like, who first went, oh, you should watch this show. I mean, the first place I saw it was I bought the season one DVD, but I don't remember why I did. Whether it had been someone told me, oh, you might like this, or... For a while, I was a toll collector, and I would just buy lots of DVDs yeah. of things that looked interesting to me, because I would watch them in the booth, because you have d- downtime, depending on like what shift you're working, what interchange you're working at. Um, if you're working at midnight in the middle of nowhere, it can get very quiet, oh, yeah. and you have a lot of chance to watch DVDs on like a portable DVD player. So I went through a lot of movies and television shows yeah. um, during the course of that job. So that might have been one, or it might have been before that. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, it was a show that, it was one of these shows, um, I'd put Curb Enthusiasm in this mix, or there's other things as well, but basically one of those shows where I didn't like it in the beginning, really, and then there was just a point where it clicked, like, Curb Enthusiasm was a show that people always like, oh, you gotta check it out, you gotta check it out, okay, cool. And I think Circuit City, back when that was a thing, had <laughs> one week, they had like the first two seasons on sale for like 15 bucks a piece, so I went, alright, I'll bite, and I bought both of them. I was about five episodes in watching the show, and I was like, "I think I hate this." Kirby enthusiasm. I'm talking specifically. I was like, "I think I hate this." And then about five or six episodes in, I went, "Oh wait, I think I finally get it now." And I, <laughs> I actually kind of really love this show, which I kind of expected to going in because I'm a, a Seinfeld fan and I like that general s- style of humor. But for whatever reason, it just did not click for me until a certain point, and then it went, "Okay, I get it now." And Venture Brothers is one of those shows. Not the same thing exactly, mm-hmm. but. Why I like the first season, I think it's slow, and I don't think it has nearly the amount of charm or whatever that thing is that really makes *Venture Brothers awesome doesn't really exist in the first season as much for me, but it's also one of those things where it's hard, because when I I recommend it to people, it's like, look, this is a continuity-heavy show. You need to see season one. You need to see all the episodes, and in order... But season one is the worst season. But I don't I don't remember season one being so continuity-heavy, though. No, 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 that's the thing. But you need to have seen it to understand the continuity of the later seasons, because okay. they're building off of things that are introduced there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I, I love the show. I didn't love the first season. And so it's, it's a little weird, and I don't remember like how I got into it, but as it goes and goes, like every season just seems to be better than the one before. It's kind of like a Breaking Bad in that way. I don't love the first season of Breaking Bad. I think it's kind of slow. But it's really necessary to see for the rest of the show, and the rest of the show, every season just gets better and better and better to the point where it's my favorite show on television. And this yeah. is my favorite animated show. See, I And I don't even like that I have to make that caveat of, it's my favorite animated, animated show. It's up there in my favorite shows. Yeah, but it just breaking, doesn't. be It just doesn't break big. Bacon, bacon bad or like um, Parks and Rec or something for me. Yeah.
1: I, I'm not saying this this current season is bad. I don't think it tops four though, and it, that, that's in my opinion. But we'll we'll get it. They that might have here. hit a plateau, but it's a very high plateau. It, it was it was a solid season, but I just don't think there was a lot. Like so, I mean, it was like a what year? Two year break? Two and a half. I don't think you know, for that two years, it followed through. I disagree. I I just felt like there was so much that was there that they didn't do anything with. So, like... eight episodes. I mean, they did a lot of stuff. But, like, alright, so everything with Gary. Mm -hmm. Number 21, right? I didn't necessarily like that they just kind of, like, abandoned Sphinx. Sphinx. I loved Sphinx. I loved that whole thing where, oh, where's Brock? Oh, he's with Sphinx. Oh, wait, they've been on the whole... They've been on the campus the entire time. Like... I loved that, and I loved what Sphinx was, and that speech Hunter-Gatherer gives about, you know, if a normal guy puts a gun in your head, you call the cops. If a, you know, a guy in a lab coat puts, points a super laser at your head, then you call the OSI. But if there's a guy, and he's dressed all normal, and he points a super laser at your head, that's when you call Sphinx, right? And I love that, little, that the whole spiel, and then, so, I didn't love that they just abandoned, abandoned Sphinx to take over OSI, and then they just, they just left Gary. I really wanted him to either take over Sphinx fully, join OSI, and become like a complete good guy. And they just they just kind of had him camp out on the lot. I for... feel like where they left him,
0: though, they brought his
1: character in such a big arc
0: that I'm interested to see where they take him next, like where they
1: left but him. But I felt like they did
0: nothing, though, because he's back where he was. But he's back where he was, but not as the same person. And I think that's what's going to make the difference. I think we should back up, though, because A, yeah, exactly, yeah. spoilers for all five seasons of The Venture Brothers, which you should see, and even if we spoil things for you, this is a show that even though there are big things that happen, it's more about the characters and the character interaction, so don't worry about us actually spoiling the experience for you, it's still a fantastic show. Yeah. But for anyone who doesn't know anything about The Venture Brothers... Hardy Boys meets Johnny Quest, think, ironically. Think Johnny Quest if Johnny Quest grew up and the emotional scars left on him by gallivanting across the world with his super-scientist father basically ruined him as a human being. Yeah. He has two sons who are essentially really dumb versions of the Hardy Boys. And when I say really dumb, I don't mean they're dumb versions. I mean they're,
1: they're, they're versions really
0: stupid. who are generally pretty stupid. And it touches on pretty much anything that people who grew up in the 60s, or who were born in the 60s and grew up with that TV, are going to love. Transformers, which is a grand for the 80s, but superheroes... Yeah. Adventure Brothers, Adventure Brothers is a show, uh, Hardy Boys, Johnny Quest, Big Guy and Rusty, Speed Racer, like anything that was like big in popular culture, the Super Friends in, from the 60s to the 80s are things that are riffed on here, and lovingly riffed on. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sarcastically, but always lovingly, you know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely agree. And so you've got Dr. Thaddeus Rusty Venture. Who is essentially a grown-up Johnny Quest? Although Johnny Quest does exist in this universe,
1: but <laughs> yeah, he's a crack
0: addict. Yeah, he's essentially a grown-up Johnny Quest who is just a broken man. Yeah, he's a failure. He can never live up to his father's legacy. His father was a jerk. His father was an awful person.
1: Well, that's the thing. Everyone's father in this was because their their actual grown-up version of the Hardy Boys. More or less in this... Well, they have an episode where all these, like, boy it's, adventurers get together. And it's basically a therapy a, session. A therapy, a group therapy session yeah. for literary characters who...
0: Child literary characters who are now broken adults. Yeah, well, like, the Hardy Boys went and killed their dad, like, but they don't admit it. And, like, oh, it was
1: never proven. Because like, it's also a play
0: on the Menendez brothers and yeah. stuff,
1: yeah. And, like, their version, the that universe's version of Robin, all grown up, fat, you know wants to still be Robin, but isn't allowed to, you know, and Astro Boy and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a commentary on all of those things. And the show, I mean, according
0: to the creators, Justin Hammer and... Hmm. Oh, crap, I can't remember the other guy's name. I'm sorry, I apologize.
1: But basically... We and, apologize, uh, other guy. i will uh, never listen to this. They're, they're
0: awesome guys. I, I met them at Comic-Con. Oh, no, I didn't really mean it, but I got to ask them a question at Comic-Con in New York a couple years ago. They basically said, and I agree fully, that this is a show about failure it's about adults who are failures according at least failures compared to what they wanted to be and, yeah. and generally just in general they're failures and how their relationship with their parents kind of destroyed them and now they are destroying their children in many ways yeah. not purposefully but just by being terrible parents and it's a show about generations i mean going back to like the 1800s but mostly from the, the whole 60s war thing yeah dealing with supervillains and superheroes and G.I. Joe-style characters and Cobra-style characters, pretty much anything pop culture, like I said, from the 60s through the 80s, if you love something about that pop culture, you will see it reflected here. Yeah. In a strangely real-world, but not real-world way. Oh, yeah. It's a world where, how would these things actually affect people if they were real? Well, I mean, it
1: is, it is real-world, but it's just like... So, what if people had a lot of money and what they decided to do with it was be superheroes and supervillains? You know, and that's pretty much what it is. It's this the upper class plays games with, you know, being superheroes and everyone else just kind of lives their day to day life and doesn't really care. And the supervillains
0: and superheroes devolve into bureaucracy yes. and arcane rules and, you know. Uh, yes.
1: David unions. Bowie. I mean, not not
0: to put down unions, but I mean just to be like a they're they're unionized and have oh, yeah. union rules that they have to follow. And well, you can't fight the
1: superhero because he's my super arch. Exactly, and there's and, all the, the and rules and yeah. But the team after up gets PM. So, you yeah. can only do this, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and you know there has, yeah there can't be harming of people that are already injured, and you know all yeah. these like specific rules, which I think is interesting. And then there's the good guy team, you know, the OSI, which is you know any generic you know. Well, I mean, I, they're obviously a shot at, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. And G.I. Joe is kind yeah, of yeah. a combination
0: of those exactly. two. And also, I believe the OSI was the group that um, the Six Million Dollar Man worked for. Okay. Who I showed up in the show, along with Bigfoot. Um, and they are a thing, yeah. uh, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, so, like, like what I'm saying, everything comes back around in the show. Yeah. So you've got Rusty Venture. Yep. You've got his sons, Hank and Dean, who are like the Hardy Boys, yep. kind of. You've got their bodyguard,
1: Brock Samson. Who um, is, like, the bodyguard from... I guess he's supposed to be the bodyguard from Johnny Quest. He's a lot like the, the bodyguard from Johnny Quest, yeah. Um, Except the mullet and, you know, the license to kill and
0: all that. Yes. Um, ex-secret agent type, d- or yeah. current. Ex-now current, yeah. again, secret agent. Uh, and I guess he was always a secret agent, you just don't know that, which is probably a mark of being a good secret agent. I don't know.
1: He killed a lot of people all the time. Yeah, but as their bodyguard. like No, I mean, there was that scene playing poker where he was naked. Oh, yeah, in the first yeah. episode? Or first or second, Dad, Dallas yeah. Martos? Yeah. That was a cool, uh, <laughs>
0: that was a cool scene, yes. You've got them, you've got the tenant who lives in the Venture Compound, who's Dr. Okay. Orpheus, who's essentially Dr. Strange. But kind of like what the wash-up has been. Yeah, he he still has that uh, bombastic,
1: we must do this voice, but he'll be like, there are two pudding cups in the fridge, <laughs> you may have one of them, type of thing. <laughs> I will say, I did like him in, in, I guess it was the season finale, or close to it, of the... Uh, of the new one in Mama's Boys, yeah, he, yeah, Mama's Boy, yeah. That's not, that's not
0: the season finale, but yeah, where he, where Dermot finds out the truth, and you know,
1: yeah, um, but it, yeah, he's all like, "How are you going to delete our history from the police files? I'll probably log onto their computer and delete the files because <laughs> that's not very magical." He's like, "I'm sorry, did my appearing out of thin air and putting everyone to sleep not to charm you enough? You know, like <laughs> he's kind of brilliant."
0: Who so you got? OSI, you've got Sphinx, which is like Cobra, you've got the Guild of Calamitous Intent, which is the supervillain union, and they've got, just like in Invincible, a series you love, great supervillain names, and great supervillain concepts.
1: Well, and by great, they mean they're entirely ironic concepts. They're puns, most of them. Like Fat Chance, who is probably one of my favorite supervillains. Manic 8-Ball is one of the ones yeah,
0: uh, Girl Hitler, Baron Underbite, who's essentially Doctor Doom. Baron Von Underbite. Yes. Um, who's got just a metal jaw that he yeah. can shoot off like a rocket. And then you had Lady Hawk and... Uh... <laughs> Lady Hawk and Lyndon B., who is Lady Bird Johnson and L- L- Lyndon B. Johnson, mixed with, I think it's called Nighthawk or something? It's called Lady Hawk. Oh, it's called Lady Hawk, but it's yeah. a, a movie where...
1: By day, she's
0: a hawk, he's and, a person, and... Then, and at, at night, he's a bee and, sh- and she's a person. Yeah. Um, but they t- but they made it L- Lyndon B. Johnson and, and Lady Bird Johnson, and... It's
1: brilliant. Yeah.
0: Um, There's a version of the Fantastic Four, which are all kind of (laughs) horrifying.
1: Yeah, where basically Reed's the only one that knows what he's doing. And And he's a jerk. Yeah. And he's
0: kind of evil. And he used to be voiced by Stephen Colbert back in the day, before Stephen Colbert was famous. The Johnny Storm is constantly on fire and in pain. And in pain from it, yeah. Um, The Invisible Woman, basically just her skin turns invisible and it's a horrifying condition. And their version of the thing is essentially a tumor with the mind of a child, well, yeah, he was, he was a simple, he was like, he was mentally retarded. I don't know if he was beforehand, but he is now, now that his body has turned into this cancerous growth. Yeah. I mean, the, the main villain in the show is the Monarch. The Monarch. The Monarch, um, his girlfriend in the beginning of the show, uh, Dr. Dr. Girlfriend, girlfriend, who is now Dr. Mrs. The, the monarch.
1: monarch. Which is the greatest name ever.
0: Um, she used to be a supervillain named Queen Etheria, okay. and she was the sidekick slash girlfriend, to Phantom Limb, another supervillain <laughs> in the show, uh, who's quite awesome, who's basically the Phantom, but with invisible arms and legs. Yeah. Um, Phantom Lim, obviously.
1: I mean, it's just, it's all over the top. All of it. Constantly, non-stop, every single episode. So there was the episode most recently where, like, Dean and his best friend Dermot are trying to sneak out. Hank and Dermot. Hank and Dermot. ...sneak out, and, like, you know, they use a teddy bear recording. A teddy ruxpin,
0: essentially. It's it's not called that for copyright reasons. Yeah, but
1: and, uh, and what's his name? And and their dad just talks to it for hours and hours and hours. They and hook it up over a telephone time. to basically, like, keep their de- his dad occupied. And yeah, his and thing. his dad thinks it's a real person who then, you know, go, goes missing and comes up with this whole conspiracy thing. And Dermot's like, I don't get it. How's your dad that stupid? And Hank's just like, I saw David Bowie dressed as 70s David Bowie right over there... Slap a dude with no limbs. You know, like, I've seen things. Like, we live such a radically incredible life, you know. And just, and everything with, with um, Hunter Gather, you know, as he goes off and gets a sex change, and then works for Maltov C*** and then, who she apparently is not actually evil, but she was sleeping with so the demon lawyer dude... And then who I went as, I, I went dressed as for Halloween one year. Yeah. Oh, and then I forgot my actual favorite supervillain from that show, Henry Kissinger, Doctor Henry, Henry Kissinger, and his
0: magic murder bag. He's essentially uh, Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger mixed with Mary Poppins.
1: Yeah. He yeah Only it evil. is it is evil yeah evil Mary Poppins Henry Kissinger. And he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's actually a good guy. Mm, he's no. He, he fixed everyone's problems he and turned them all into, into Okay, but it solved everyone. That's true. Evil does solve a
0: lot of problems. Um, yeah. Which is <laughs> essentially the message of Dr. Henry Killinger. Henry, Henry Killinger. So you mentioned David Bowie. Now, it should be made clear, David Bowie
1: is not a supervillain,
0: as far as I know.
1: I don't know. I mean, he, on the Evil League of Evil and Dr. Harble, there is dead Bowie. <laughs> there so. is dead Bowie. But in the
0: world of the Venture Brothers, many of the supervillains are ex-rock and roll stars. Ex-musicians. For a long time, you were led to believe that the Sovereign, the leader of the Guild of Calamitous Intent, was David Bowie. Turns out it's not. He's a shapeshifter. Who who, just likes to take the form of David Bowie. Who is likely the thing on the cover of Demon Dogs, the the David Bowie album, which is David Bowie where his lower half is the body of a dog. So that's the Sovereign. But also, like, on the Guild of Calamitous Intent is, like, Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and uh, some other musicians. Basically, they didn't really die in that plane crash. They just were spirited away and became supervillains. And so a lot of... uh, Brian Eno is one of the supervillains. Klaus Nomi is one of the supervillains. Like,
1: it's... They work in music really well into this show. Oh, they work everything. I gotta say, as much as... Alright, so I didn't think season five was good as season four. But my favorite joke in the entire series has to be from season five. When... The Monarch and Dr. Mrs. the Monarch are going to have their role play night. Oh, yes. And he's dressed up as Khal Drogo. From Game of Thrones. And she comes in in full American boxing gear, thinking, you know, it's Drago and they were doing Rocky. And I was dying laughing. at the. I was like, how did they even think of that? Like, that is so far out there, but I absolutely loved it. So yeah that was that was probably my favorite reference. like I think they reference everything and work it in somehow in some weird thing.
0: They referenced so many things over five seasons of the show, and it's been like ten years essentially that they made five seasons in because yeah. uh, it takes a long time. It's you know traditional animation and it's very intricate writing. We, we should probably mention with Dean and, and Hank the venture brothers the 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 eponymous characters they're clones, yes they did not know this until recently, but you find out pretty early in the show when they both suddenly die, that, no, they're clones, and this is like the 17th versions of them. Yeah. And every time they die, they just hatch a new pot of clones, yeah. and you got a new Hanging Dean. Until, like, season three, when all the clones get destroyed, so you're left with one Hanging Dean left. Yeah. But So that was a fun concept, and as they now know this and are coming to grips with it, it's kind of an interesting thing seeing them
1: deal with the fact that they're not, quote-unquote, real, if you will. Yeah. Well, my thing is... And you and I have talked about this before when we have a disagreement. I think they were clones all the way back. Like, I think they're test tube babies clones all the way back because they they have no idea who their mother is. Right. Um, You think there was an actual mother. I think there could be. I don't think it really matters either way. No, but yeah, that's just my little fan theory on the show. Right. Yeah, so they are clones. and I think they really brought that up in the the Scooby-Doo episode, didn't they? Escape from the House of Mummies Part 2? Or Or wherever the Scooby-Doo cast accidentally kills the kids and then you see them again and because the dog doesn't actually talk isn't that the whole point of the episode where shaggy's he's just stone out of his mind and the dog talking. is like no you are chosen i am from the future to tell you of your great destiny to save all of mankind <laughs> and no one believes when the dog talks and yeah so they accidentally kill the kids they bury the bodies and there's the kids again and they start flipping out and they all freak out but yeah i think that's when they really start to bring attention to the fact that kids are close. I mean, it'd been revealed before that because there's the the main Twenty one and
0: twenty four kill them, right? Well, and that's, true, and that's yeah. your first like real indication that oh, they're not real people essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty one and twenty four are numbered minions of the monarch. Yeah. He just numbers all of his minions. Uh, twenty four or twenty one is which one's dead now? Twenty four. Twenty four is dead. He sounded like Ray Romano, and twenty one was his best friend who became a superhero for a while. Who left for a while? Now he's back in the Monarchs'
1: employ as we last leave them. But well, he's all right, grown so up he was—he was just his—he was just an average henchman until twenty-four died, and then he went super BA and like he was the henchman. His—he got a tattoo that said "Hench for Life" and uh-huh. like had you know he was all BA and tore the sleeves off and all sorts of stuff. Right?
0: He's a super big nerd too.
1: Oh yeah, well absolutely. So he he
0: patterns all of his ideas on what is what is cool off of. What ge- nerds would generally think is cool. Oh know? yeah, like he tries to Looking fight like Wolverine. Yeah. essentially. he buys a
1: lightsaber from uh, from Doctor Venture at one point and tries to fight uh, Brock with it, and then it just it's just literally a beam of light and does absolutely nothing to him. Like you know, so he's a huge nerd and whatnot. But then he then he's joins Sphinx and it's all like, oh, you guys, it's hey, nice to be with competent people for once and not total idiots. And then he goes full circle and comes back, and then you get the re- the spoiler reveal of what happened to twenty four which I didn't see coming at all. Like well, he's always known it was the Moppets or at least suspected. Oh, really? I hadn't. I didn't pick yeah, up on that yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know if they've ex- ever explicitly said it, but it was always pretty clear that it was them who killed 24. Okay. Um, or rigged the car to explode or locked him yeah. in there, whatever it was. Because they were trying to kill Brock, yeah. Right. Back in the 60s, when Rusty Venture was a child, which we get occasional flashbacks to, his father, Jonas Venture, Jonas Venture Sr., was the leader of a group of, essentially, Avengers... It was Action Man, it was a essentially Ant-Man slash Giant-Man character. Who are some of the other people on the team? Mr. Gentleman. Colonel Gentleman, who is James Bond, essentially. But uh, a little
1: more flamboyant, if you will.
0: Slightly, I, mean, I wouldn't say a whole lot more, but yeah, he's the Sean Connery. Uh, and when I say bomb. flamboyant,
1: I, I mean literally because he is gay. Oh yes, he is very, very gay,
0: but not like shore leave. Or, like he, I wouldn't say. Oh he's no, he's not the he's or not the, the stereotype.
1: He, well, he, I, I would say he's maybe a stereotype, but the old bear stereotype as opposed to the shore leave. You know, sure, sure. stereotypical. Hello, yeah, he, like he, he's not Faye way. Yeah, exactly.
0: And who else was on Action Man? Colonel Gentleman,
1: oh the the sumo guy, Uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. A a big sumo wrestler, and
0: they fought
1: various villains in the sixties. But all science based. It was like you know any of those like science hour stuff. You know, go to the island of the dinosaurs, Spider Skull Island. Yeah, you know stuff like that, and you know Rusty would always be in danger or
0: whatever. Which is what broke him as a as a as an adult, basically. Yeah. A never being able to live up to his father's legacy, and also his father was a jerk. Who constantly let him be in danger, yeah and, and, like and never really did anything about it, be, yeah one of those one of those dad types would be like it builds character,
1: no, it destroys a psyche, and yeah. you know, and um, that's really what the show is about. It's about breaking people slowly, and that that was kind of the season finale of this current season, which I kind of picked up that that's what they would do, like the real plan to torture him was just to break his you know whole psyche, yeah, but, where you're
0: like, oh, I guess the monarch lost and it's like, oh." That's the smartest thing the monarch's ever done. Yeah. Um, But I read an interesting article the other day about basically how, when people talk about what's the best show on television about the male psyche, a lot of people will point to Mad Men as as a deconstruction of what masculinity is. But this article is about, no, it's really the Venture Brothers. Like, this is a show all about a mostly male cast and how the traditional American ideal of masculinity is kind of a terrible thing when brought to these extremes. And that's what show and the show...
1: And I think there's on only, on like, two characters that I would say are sane. Like, I think Brock is, I like... I totally disagree he's sane. I'd say he comes across as sane. I think he's the most sane character in that show. Okay, I can argue he's the most I could see that argument. He's the most sane character in the show. Yeah. I think he realizes the world that he lives in is a bunch of crap. And he just kind of is along for the ride while he goes through it. So, I could see that. I would yeah. not say he's sane. But oh, of the yeah. show, sure, I can give yeah. you on
0: that sliding scale.
1: Yeah. That and uh, probably the Monarch. Not the Monarch. Yeah, I would say the Monarch. Cause like, I would say Dr. Girlfriend. Dr. Dr. Girlfriend is probably, yes. She She's just like, I love this guy, so I'll do whatever he wants kind of thing. And yeah, go she'll put up with, with his nonsense and with yeah. him being stupid and a terrible villain. Yeah. And just because she's legitimately in love
0: with him, it, man, it's... She's much smarter than he is. Oh, And yeah. she just makes sure that his dumb plans still succeed. Yeah. When she can. Even. Sometimes.
1: Like, or, you know, if, like, the genetically modification episode where she just kind of goes against it and 's like, come on, honey, you know, it's better if they're all, you know, not super genetic monsters, so. She looks like Jackie Onassis. And yeah. she sounds like a man. And it's oddly the hottest thing ever. <laughs> Isn't her voice, like, based off someone or something? Like, it sounds like she's been a smoker all her life and she's, like, 25. But... I don't know that her voice is directly based off of anyone. I mean, she's,
0: she's voiced by one of the writers. Oh, is either she? Either Jackson Public or... It's Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. I think I said Jackson Hammer before, but I Jackson Public and yet. Doc Hammer. Um, she's voiced by one
1: of them. Okay. Um, and it's brilliant. A great character. All right, so... Favorite... I know what your favorite villain is, though. Who's my favorite villain? Monstroso.
0: Oh, uh, well, I, I do dig Monstroso, yeah. I, what do you, I think he's my favorite...
1: I don't know. There's a lot of good. I, I like Professor Impossible. I like Henry Killinger. I like I like Fat Chance, which who we didn't explain, you know, because because all right, so there's, so in there's Marvel this team. Comics. There's a character
0: called the Spot,
1: who can drop these spots into the world and basically reach into
0: a pocket dimension. Yeah, and jump in and out of it. He can pull people in and out of it. And so then you have this parody of that called Fat Chance.
1: Yeah, they're doing supervillain interviews, and Fat yeah. Chance comes in. He's just this fat guy in an orange jumpsuit with a question mark on his chest. He goes, all right, first off, I want you to know I'm not fat. This came from a scientific experiment, so it's not my fault. And all the all the guys, because they're all like genetically modified from science experiments, are like, oh, no, we understand, we understand. He's like, all right, so I can reach into my stomach here, and I can pull anything out of it. And it just starts pulling random crap right out of up. the circle of the, the dot of the Mark. Yeah, and it's just like random toys and stuff like that and on and on. And they're like, can you c- control what you pull out? And he's all like, nah, completely random. Oh, where does it come from? I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Like, eventually, I forget what exactly they have to do, but they keep trying to pull stuff, you know, he's like, find something useful, and they keep pulling random, like, children's toys, or, like, you know, animals, or whatever. I just thought that was delightful. Um, Brick Frog was pretty brilliant. Brick Frog. Who's just a man in a frog suit who throws bricks. And isn't it really Frog Frog? I forget what the whole thing is. No, it would really be Brick Brick. It'd be Brick Brick, yeah.
0: A Brick Frog is the line in a brick. It's the the line that keeps it from shattering, basically, when the when the brick hardens. It's either the line or the thing in the, the brick mold that creates the line. Yeah. But that is called a brick frog, for whatever reason. It's a little bit unclear as to why historically that is true, but that is what it's called, and so that's what the character's named after. But he's a guy in a frog suit who, who throws bricks. Who throws bricks. Oh, I love that. Uh, there's Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Nightmare Coat. I don't remember that one. Uh, he was early character. He was back, like, when, when the moniker was in prison... Okay. With, with King Gorilla, yeah, 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 he was in there with him. Okay, uh, or no, the character—I guess I think the character is actually Tiny Joseph and his amazing Technicolor nightmare coat. Because there was a Christmas special where Tiny Joseph hid in the nativity scene as Joseph and oh. tried to attack the Venture Brothers. I don't remember that at all. Okay, um, there, there's so many characters in the show that it it can get daunting it in gets, terms yeah. of like remembering everybody and how they interrelate. You know, you got Trucules... And Colonel Hatred. And yeah. Colonel, yeah. And,
1: and Princess Tiny Feet. And. Isn't it Sergeant Hatred? What'd I say? Colonel. Well, that really matters. Sar- that. I guess it is Sar- Sergeant, Hatred Sergeant Hatred with Hatred. Princess Littlefoot. Princess Tiny Feet. Tiny Feet, whatever. Oh, princess Tiny Feet. <laughs> oh, Princess. <laughs> yeah, she's really weird. Everyone's just really weird. She's that, essentially though. the Land of Lakes. Mascot, the Butter Girl, yeah, yeah, like that's literally who it is. <laughs> but really into really creepy, perverted things, yeah. Well, I think he is more than anything else. But well, no, because speaks. she she opens the door when he tries to go home, and she's in a gag oh, and bound true. up. Which and is funny because she never speaks anyway. Exactly. So why would this character need a gag, you know. Exactly, and it turns out she's you know spending time with someone else, if you will. So, and then there was that bee themed villain from season one. Oh, who was,
0: who was essentially Walt Disney, but it was something Brisby. Yeah. And yes, he was a very B themed one. I don't think we've ever seen him again.
1: Well no, yeah. I thought he died that episode or something. Well, but even like
0: any of his stuff. Oh, that's because they'll bring stuff back from season. Oh, they make references, yeah. Like Augustus Saint Cloud, who was introduced as a full character this season.
1: So much. He first appeared
0: in the episode Tag Sailor It, which I believe was the first season, and he was in like 20 seconds of footage
1: in the background. Yeah,
0: and they turned him into a full fledged character. I hate him so much. I, I think he serves a purpose in the show. I love oh
1: yeah, he, he serves the polar opposite to Billy. Oh, we haven't talked Billy about Quiz Boy. Biz,
0: Billy Quizboy and Pete White. Yeah. So Pete White is an albino who used to be a game show host. Yeah. And. Billy Quizboy used to be a game like a professional game show contestant yeah. on a quiz show for children.
1: Because not only is super science a whole thing and all the, you know, adventures and superheroes and supervillains, so is, you know, quiz boy-ing. and yeah. it, there's like street quizboying too and yeah. underground game shows and
0: stuff. Um, and they live in a trailer and want to be super scientists. They wanna be in the big time. Yeah, they like, have a business, community. but I don't
1: fully understand what their business actually is. I don't is think they do. do either. Yeah. Because they're not very good at it. No. They do have a supervillain now, Augustus St. Cloud. Oh, oh. <laughs> Who has his
0: own albino. But it's an Asian albino. It's much more rare and more collectible. Uh, who's essentially like the nerd supervillain, like he just collects things, yeah. he collects movie props and things and uses them to his advantage.
1: Yes, and he is the worst costume
0: in existence. It's essentially the Magneto costume with some clouds and lightning bolts
1: glued to the helmet. Yep, pretty much. I hate it so much. I hate <laughs> everything about it. Oh my you only word. see it once. Yeah, you see it like twice, I think. Do you? I think it's the same episode, though. Yeah. Like the other episodes,
0: he doesn't wear it. I hate him so much. Oh, no word. uh red mantle and who are the who are the two guild mem- or the two council members who are fused together red mantle and oh I forget the two old guys that are yeah but yeah. they're they're two members of the of the council of 13 of the Guild of oflements intent the ruling council ex-musicians yeah. who are now fused together and have one he- one of their heads gra- grafted onto the other's body yeah um, by Phantom limb who was going by a different name at the time? I forget what it was. I forget, but he part, was... When he was part of the Revenge Society.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is still a thing, apparently. Which, yeah. Even... As of that last teaser, I was like, oh, they're back, and Henry Kissinger is part of it? This is I brilliant. don't think they're really back as much as they're just kind of like sitting by the wayside. But I guess we had to wait two years to find out. I feel like that was the teaser for, like, what's coming next, was, like, their... Oh, that's true, because that was the last episode. Because yeah. I watched everything in this season out of order, because, His on-demand
0: listed them wrong.
1: Because Verizon's dumb, and they're like, Oh, yeah, we'll just do it a completely random order here. And so I watched them in almost seemingly random order. <laughs> so, it was really weird.
0: Editor's note, that weird, almost farty noise you might hear a couple times in the background in these last few minutes? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Sorry. Well, so hello, we, Chaney. We haven't done a shout out in probably a couple episodes. <laughs> hey, Hi, Cheney. how are you? Uh, we talked about Dr. Orpheus. Dr. Orpheus is one of the few magic based characters of the show, and he is part of a team called the Order of the Triad. Yeah. Which is Dr. Orpheus, who is mm-hmm. like Doctor Strange, the Alchemist, and Jefferson Twilight, the Blackula Hunter.
1: Well, no, no, we also had to say the Alchemist is just a monk dude who's also really flamboyantly gay. Yeah, but I mean, I guess he kind of looks like a monk, but he's a magic-based
0: character. Yeah, and Jefferson Twilight, who's essentially Blade mixed with Samuel Jackson. Yeah, but he's a black hunter, meaning he only hunt- hunts and fights black vampires. Yep. And the three of them are the Order of the Triad. They've got a bunch of magical adventures. They're also kind of terrible. But and by bunch, you mean like way. three episodes? They, but I mean, they do come into play, and you, you've got the whole
1: subplot about the Doctor Orpheus's ex-wife. Well, and and the master who's in the closet, and it's uh, or in his daughter's closet, and it's yeah, really... he's not a closeted character. He
0: he exists in a pocket dimension. The doorway to which is a closet. Yeah, in his can, daughter's bedroom. Yeah, where he can take and any form, like the ex-wife. Uh, the ex-wife, or
1: the two, the three had the a dog. horse. This, no, he also did the Cerberus.
0: He did Cerberus, but it was also um, I want to say Margaret the Great. That's not right. But the horse that, according to legend, is not actually true, but fell on the queen and killed her. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, uh, whatever that story. That's not technically true. But he was using. He basically. Whenever Doctor Orpheus goes to speak to the Master, the Master will take a, a, a specific form to like teach him a lesson. Yeah, kind of like in arrested Even development. Even though it's voiced by like, uh, like JB yeah,
1: Weatherman. Exactly. Uh, although it's only he's it's voiced by what's his name? The uh, John Benjamin. John, John Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, so you get John Benjamin's voice trying to teach him a magical, mystical lesson. Yeah, as he's a three-headed dog and two of the heads are licking his own balls. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, Orpheus just doesn't understand. It's like well, I don't understand why you have to be doing that right now. Or that's my ex-wife, what are you doing? But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I can't think of anything else to say. Yeah,
0: this was kind of a rambly episode. We should have had an outline because there's so much to talk about. But uh, we do love this show. We do recommend you watch it. And uh, we'll, we'll probably have to revisit it sometime when we have a more concrete outline. Yeah. Of what to talk about. Specific topics. So, I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Pierce from Jersey. Bless you. This has been Jersey Shore. Have a good week. Go Team Venture! Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at Jordan at Legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N at Legionofdudes.com, or follow me on Twitter at Jordan F R M Jersey.